Welcome to Rhode Island's Church and State Podcast. I'm David. And I'm Jessica. We're a husband and wife podcast. He's a pastor and I'm a state senator. So you've been warned. We're about to talk politics and religion. And anything else that might get us canceled. Hey, everybody. Welcome to our 21st episode. And uh, does it feel like 21 episodes yet, Jess? Not quite. No? No. I, I feel like we're uh, we're starting to get into a little more of a rhythm with it. Uh, well, today we're, we're not going to pick one topic, but several topics. There's mm-hmm. a lot of things going on in the news, and there's a lot happening at the State House. Uh, you've been pretty busy now that the uh, you guys have, what, maybe one more full week yeah. this, this year? Just about, yeah. Okay. And then maybe coming back in the fall? Yes, we're definitely coming back in the fall because wow. of federal funds, and we're going to probably tackle some more legislation, too, oh. in the fall. Okay. Well, uh, today I thought we'd talk about a few issues, uh, stuff that you've uh, been a part of and things that have been in the news. So there was the uh, TSI or the uh, gas tax that was um, uh, came out of the Senate. And uh, that's something we've talked about in the past, but it's uh, starting to, it looks like it's, it, it's moving forward more. And then there's um, critical race theory has been in the news, not just nationally, but right here in Rhode Island, we've had some national news and national attention because of what's happening in one school district. Um, and then uh, I thought we... can't wait to hear your thoughts on that one. Well, well and I have thoughts. Um, and then there's Zamborano Hospital, the hospital in your district that uh, you've been very, um, very involved with over the last few years. So um, let's jump right into it. Which let's... is an issue that's not going to be going away anytime soon. Zamborano? Yeah, unfortunately, well, I think there's just a lot of problems that need to be addressed mm-hmm. and it's not going to be a quick fix. Well, let's talk about Zamorano. So th- this is a hospital that is um, a little over 100 years old, 110 years old, started out as a tuberculosis hospital. I think right. it was perfect for that because it's kind of um, set off in the northwestern corner of the state, right next to the uh, Massachusetts border on Wallam Lake, very kind of secluded area. Beautiful spot. Yeah, beautiful spot. But if you're worried about somebody getting sick or some contagious disease, it's it's uh, perfect where you, you can really isolate some folks. But over the years, over the decades, it's developed into um, into a different kind of hospital. Right. Yeah. So um, for those of you who don't know, uh, Zambrano cares for our most vulnerable patients here in Rhode Island. Um, they pro- provide um, really this is a hospital of last resort for mm-hmm. individuals. And uh, it's not a hot topic like guns or abortion or wokeism, but it's a really important issue to our state. And um, so Zam, oh, Zambrano is one hospital within the Eleanor Slater hospital system. And Eleanor Slater has one hospital in Cranston and the other one's in Barberville. Right. And right. one is uh, dedicated to mental diseases, mental health, and the other one is dedicated to physical um physical ailments. Okay. So the two classifications. So the one in Boroughville is really dealing with the physical ailments, right? Yes. Okay. So when did you start noticing there was problems happening up in Boroughville at Zamorano? When I was first elected, they had something called Patients for Progress at Zam, and they invited me to go where it's these, the patients get together once a month and they discuss um, things that they like uh, addressed at the hospital um, and so it's really the residents there. It's kind of like a town hall meeting and all the residents are welcome to come. Because these aren't just patients. They really are residents. They, they live are. there. Exactly. Yeah. So um, during session, I'm not really able to go uh, because 
of the time that they have it. And then it takes me one hour to get to the state house. And usually they have their meetings like as I have to be there at the mm. state house. So I was trying to go as much as possible, especially when uh, we were not in session. But um, because of COVID, I haven't been able to go because they suspended the Patients for Progress meetings. And so I'm hopeful that we can start going back mm -hmm. um, to those meetings with the, the residents because they were helpful. Uh, residents had issues with um, internet connectivity they were complaining about. Um, also buses, they um, had mentioned that when they go on trips in the in the winter that they couldn't shut the vehicles off because if they did then um the vehicles might not turn back on so wow. then they would strand patients hmm. um, and i can imagine that just because of the nature of the the residents um you know these might be quadriplegics people mm -hmm. dealing right. with you know paralyzed or just in a uh, uh, not exactly able-bodied right so that makes it hard to just you know, they can't just jump in an Uber or jump right. into a, a typical bus. Right, exactly. And of course, um, they also talked about like dated infrastructure. Mm -hmm. um, but it was also an opportunity to talk to staff because staff were in the halls walking and, you know, they know all oh, the senators here. So maybe I'll just mention something to her or, you know, uh, share a concern. And so um, I heard from staff as well as many concerns of the hospital and so I think it was like a few months ago when Gina Raimondo was still our governor that things kind of came like to a um, like fever pitch, you know, mm -hmm. it was like all this information was coming in from uh, employees and, and patients and patient advocates. So it feels uh, like it was one year ago that stuff started coming started to the surface, coming right? To the surface, a couple right. of emails, a few reports. Then were things started out. to become very alarming. Some of the issues that were coming yeah. to the forefront. Mm -hmm. And so, um, kind of just put it out there and, uh, the media was like, what do you mean they're closing Zambrano? You know, the governor had said, no, we're not closing Zambrano. But then as we dug and we were reading budgets and, um, reports. emails when reports yeah. were coming out, that indeed the hospital was the plan was to close the hospital which so. to me is i uh, i mean i was so surprised well I, maybe i'm naive but i was really genuinely surprised that they would be publicly saying that we have no plans on closing the hospital but internally that was the plan there right. were so many of these internal documents and reports that uh so it was a blatant that, lie black and white yeah. you know we're talking about phasing out the hospital terrible so um, so recently, um, there was a, what we call JCO report was a joint commission of hospital accreditation that was released, uh, last Friday. Mm -hmm. And we ended up having an oversight hearing on Monday. And so the commission released a scathing and shocking summary of what's happening at the hospital. All right. And people can look this up. This has been mm -hmm. in the news if you haven't heard it yet, but you'll offer a little bit of a summary of some of some of what the report touched on. Yeah, you can definitely find this online. And just like a short brief overview, because we're going to get to other topics in the podcast is that, of course, the buildings are dilapidated um, or the grounds uh, are dilapidated as well, putting patients at risk. And some of them, the, re the report said immediate life uh, threat to life. Um, one of those issues was the oxygen system. And the Senate oversight hearing on Monday uh, revealed that the hospital administration willfully refused to fix oxygen systems because it was too expensive and um, 
they were saying in committee, oh no, we care about the patients. Like um, we, they, they kept giving excuses, but an email that was revealed um, showed that uh, top administrators said, absolutely do not work on the oxygen system. It costs too much. And either, so I'm supposed to come to the conclusion then that either you don't care about the patients or that the hospital is going to close. Mm. But what they did was they put the patient lives at risk. Yeah. Yeah. We're talking about oxygen. Right, right. So there's uh, there's the physical grounds and the physical infrastructure, you know, mm -hmm. there's peeling paint and you've talked about right. the insides. You've had tours of the facility, so you, oh, you're yeah, yeah. much more familiar with that. But then there's the equipment problem. So mm -hmm. some of these uh, residents need access to oxygen, obviously. Right. But then there's the um, even some staffing issues and issues yeah. with the administration. There was that one report, I think Channel 10 highlighted one of the, one of the lines where mm -hmm. one of the uh, nurses, uh, one of the caretakers actually told a patient, you know, just go shoot yourself. Right. So it just seems like a culture of indifference. And um, oh, that wasn't just that she, oh. I guess the patient wanted to, it was Mother's Day, the patient wanted to leave the room, but there weren't enough staff to assist. And so she pretty much said, you know, come at me, like, oh, wow. come, like, what do you, very what do you mean? Like, right? Yeah, very combative and mm -hmm. ended up using the N word at the patient as well. Jeez. And, but going back to like the physical building and the grounds, mm -hmm. one of the patients as the, the, as the JCO um, commission was coming up the driveway to the hospital, they mm -hmm. found a patient stuck in a pothole, wow. kind of like in their wheelchair, like tilted to the side, almost falling over. Wow. And they actually got out of the car to help them. It took four people to assist this individual. Yeah, I, I heard that story. And they were in the parking lot alone. There was no nurse, nobody. There was one person with them. Okay, maybe yeah. I misread the article, but I, I thought it said that there was no Maybe staffer. I misread the article. <laughs> there was no staff member next to them. But there were a lot of things, so I might be. Um, and I, I could be wrong, me. too. So. Um, and then, you know what, you were actually said to me last night because we were uh, listening to one of the news stories and you said you couldn't believe it was a hospital when you pulled up because of the disrepair outside. You just. Yeah. The first what? time that I went to visit it with you, um, I uh, opened the door and there was a, a man sitting at like a school desk in a chair and it was a security officer. And I just said, oh, uh, can you point me to the front desk? And he's like, yeah, this is it. I was like, what? <laughs> This is the front desk. I um, I was surprised that that was the, um, it, it was like just, you know, a very simple hallway and he's just standing there. And what did you think, like, just walking through the hospital, your initial thoughts? Initial, that it's, uh, it's clearly dated, that it hasn't been tended to, that it seems to be ignored. Um, I didn't have as many interactions with the patients or the, right, the residents yeah. as you or even the staff. So I, I can't really touch on that, but just the, just the, the physical, appearance. just the physical appearance. Yeah. It was, it was in disrepair and, uh, and it's an old building and it seems to be a, a big campus. There's some buildings are totally empty, right? Because they're no longer in use. Right. Yeah. So there are question marks about that. What, what can we do with this building and, and, uh, this, this campus, yeah. uh, how big is it? Like acres, oh, right? So many acres. Yeah. Yeah. And it's amazing, like uh, the, the location right on Wallam Lake. Yeah. If you've ever been up there and you just, you don't even have to go into the hospital, but just pull into the, the back parking lot there and it's right on top of a lake. It's it's amazing real estate, a great spot. Yeah. So hopefully these patients are able to, you know, get outside and see it. Right.
All right, Next. let's yeah, let's <laughs> switch over to uh, the the what is the infamous TSI tax. This TCI is, tax. No, TCI. <laughs> thank you. What did I say? TIC. TSI. Oh, TSI. Yeah, no, TCI tax. Uh, we've been calling it the gas tax because it is going to be a tax on fuel and yeah. fuel consumption. I think it's a more accurate term, mm-hmm. a phrase. You know, they'll call it the TCI, but people, you know, when you think TCI, you're like, what's that? But when you call it a gas tax, what it is, then you know, it's clear. Yeah. Um, and we've talked about this already, but mm-hmm. back then it was just in committee and it was a concern and it would look like there was going to be a push for it. And sure enough, there has been a push. You gave some remarks on the floor about it. Uh, why don't you tell people what this tax does and what it might do to, um, uh, to the middle class? Yeah. So the, in, on the floor, it passed 28 votes to nine. So there was bipartisan um, effort there to stop the vote. Um, it has not been heard in the House, so that's good news. If it does get heard in the House, then that's, that almost surely means it will pass. Um, it's supposed to be a regional tax where the Northeast region, they're all going to buy in on this tax. And so um, if you went to Mass, you'd pay the tax. If you go to Maine, you pay the tax, or New Hampshire, or Vermont, or wherever. Mm-hmm. And there would so, be no escaping this tax. That was you my point. Jump yeah. onto a bicycle or start walking. You're going to have to pay this tax. Yes, but um, as of right now, uh, Maine and New Hampshire said they want no part in it. Massachusetts and DC are the only ones considering. Um, this gas tax. Hmm. So we would not be in a regional gas tax. Okay. People would continue to leave Rhode Island. I mean, like I, I said on the floor, when I lived in East Providence, we'd, I, we'd see people with Rhode Island plates at gas stations in, in Massachusetts, yeah. in Seekonk, mm-hmm. because the gas was always cheaper. Mm-hmm. And we're going to continue in in that path. Right, right in that direction. Right, because yeah. people are not going to want to pay more for gas in Rhode Island when they can go somewhere else and get it for less. It's going to hurt Rhode Islanders because the cost to uh, large companies and small businesses, they're going to pass that cost on to the consumer. It, that's always how it goes. And so mm-hmm. you're going to be paying for it at the grocery store when I said, you know, when you take your family trips to the beach, they're going to be less of those because families are on fixed incomes and this is not going to hurt the affluent. This is going to hurt the um uh the poor, poor and the middle yeah. class yeah. fixed incomes mm-hmm. folks in social security right. the elderly yeah. you have less disposable yep. income and so you're going to have to watch where you spend your money so you're going to pay for this tax when you're consuming goods but to you- play devil's advocate Go ahead. i think that's the point the whole point behind this uh this carbon tax or this gas tax is to get people to drive less mm-hmm. or to choose to, you know, for them to be sick of paying so much money for gas that they decide to walk or use public transportation. There was one woman in your district that was very vocally in support of it and said, mm-hmm. we should be switching over to public transportation. Why shouldn't, why aren't we just using the RIPTA buses and, because RIPTA doesn't come out to Northwestern Rhode Island. So what they're it does, advocating- but very limited, right? Very limited. One yeah. bus. Mm-hmm. I know an individual I was just talking to. It's a one bus. She takes it in the morning. Mm-hmm. She goes to Providence, does what she needs to do, like her shopping. And then she catches a bus home. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the ultimate goal, right, is- they're, First of all, they're punishing people that live in more rural communities that have to drive to work. Mm-hmm. But um, I guess the goal is- move out of the suburbs, move everybody into the city. So they were all, you know, um, compact and 
very close quarters so that we can keep preserving nature because they don't want us out here to right. enjoy the great outdoors. Yeah. I mean, there's some land trusts that don't allow you on there, uh, on the on the property here in northwestern Rhode Island. Because, right. I like the one in Gloucester. Oh, yeah. Because uh, they've got public trails, public nice parking. Public trails, well-kept. They invite people to come in. So we've taken our kids there. And yeah. It's, uh, it, it's fun to do that. Right. But, yeah, it's unfortunate when they close it off to people. Right. So the... It, it, we're punishing certain individuals for the choices that they make, which is living out in rural communities. But um, yeah, they they don't want us enjoying the beach, I guess, right. in nature. Um, were there any arguments uh, that you heard in the, the Senate uh, on the floor that were... Um... I'm so glad you brought up because this is something we talked about and okay. laughed about. Right. Go ahead, say it. <laughs> the... Uh... <laughs> Somebody you you mentioned to me. I can't believe she just talked about the gas. She I think yeah. just, um, referenced the Gatsby incident as a reason to pass this pass the the uh, this gas tax. Yeah. And what was your response? First of all, explain to everybody why that's so funny to you. Well, because the Gatsby was burned down because of taxes. Yeah, the HMS Ga Gatsby, uh, so His Majesty's ship. She's advocating for this tax while mm -hmm. using the Gatsby as we torched it to the ground. Right. Before there was Lexington and it, Concord yes. or the Boston Tea Party, there was the Gatsby right, right here in Narragansett Bay. And we burned that thing down because it was part of an effort to continue to squeeze taxes right. out of Rhode Islanders. And we didn't like that. We Nobody likes taxes around here. But it was interesting to hear this woman, uh, the, this female senator, highlight the Gatsby by saying, "What um, we've always led the way. We led the way with yeah, the Gatsby." Yeah, that was her reasoning. We <laughs> so, led the way, like we led the way, burning, torching the Gatsby because we didn't like taxes. <laughs> so yeah, you should you know read a I guess read a history book, have some context, know what the Gatsby is all about. Right. Before you... Or use a different example. You know, yeah. don't just like yeah, Rhode Island's led the way. Sure, we've led the way on things, but let's not use mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. An argument that defeat, you know, defeats itself. But anyway, um, and, and next, then you were next, looking up the critical race. Yeah, day, I was right? looking into uh, if uh, anyone's been paying attention. Um, South Kingston has been in the news for the last few weeks, several weeks now, because there's been a um, a mom, uh, Nicole Solis, who is mama uh, bear, my mama bear. She's um, she doesn't have a child in school yet, but she's got a a child who's going into kindergarten next mm -hmm. year. So she's doing her due diligence. Yeah, she wants to know what are the teachers teaching, what's the curriculum. Mm -hmm. um, I want to be familiar with it. So I think that's you know I, I applaud her. We would Absolutely. want more engagement. Yeah. But she started asking questions, and my understanding is, it started with you know she would go in and just ask for two records requests and then the next day it was more and then before you know it's you know 50 a day or 45 a day and so over the span of a couple months she put in like 200 of these and the school department um, well the school department told her to do that yeah the, yeah the, this is the they the, said oh no we, you have to put in a request right, exactly yeah. but they um they sent her a bill for uh <laughs> for for this uh for almost ten thousand dollars and um uh, it, because they just said, you know, this is too expensive. Mm -hmm. you know, you're you're diverting us away from our jobs, and and which um, is their job. Which yeah, it is their job. But um, uh, eventually, she was able to, um, to to slim that down with the help of some attorneys, uh, get it down to about eighty dollars. Mm -hmm. um, anyways, she um, she was really on a uh, on a quest to find out whether or not critical race theory 
or some of the uh, controversial gender theory practices and studies were being introduced into the school department down there. And if they would be teaching it to her kindergartner, you know, a, a five-year-old. So I, uh, I think it was awesome that she started to get more involved and, and looked into this. And um, it turns out that it did lead to, um, uh, it did lead to the public finding out that critical race theory, though they don't use that term, mm -hmm. um, it is being introduced in the school. School-wide, there was a, um, um, a uh, uh, report, uh, a fiscal report mm -hmm. uh, for the years 2021 to 2022, so really for next year, that talks about what are some of the priorities for the school. And they have a whole section there with uh, six or seven bullet points. Yeah, I saw that's that. That's about anti-racism and social justice work. And um, uh, some of it was... Uh, was uh, was taking the position that we are going to root out racism where wherever it is, and one thing that that they're prioritizing is going beyond conversations. Conversations is not enough. So I don't know what that means. Um, uh, clearly, we don't want racism. We don't right. want discrimination. Right. Of course. But um, I I've seen how some of the CRT has played out especially when they want to move beyond just mm -hmm. having a conversation or talking about examples of racism and whether it's in American history or if there are examples of systemic racism in America's past. But it sounds like they're going beyond that. And I, I we've seen this play out in some of the other schools. You know, several years ago, there was Evergreen College way out in the West Coast yeah. where they took CRT and they said the same thing. Like, it, mm -hmm. you, you can't say that you're not racist. Uh, not racist. Not racist is not good enough. You have to be anti-racist, which means you are committed to rooting it out, to searching for it, to seeking it out and making sure that it is removed from the systems, the systems being our public education. Mm -hmm. So for me, I, uh, I'm alarmed by it. And I'm, uh, I'm very happy that Nicole Solis has taken on this, um, this effort she was criticized heavily my goodness i couldn't believe yeah what the school committee uh chairwoman said what'd she say well she said this issue is um uh is a much larger one she said this publicly in front of nicole at a public uh, meeting and um um i my understanding is that some of these words may have been drafted uh by some other people but anyway she said this issue is a much larger one one that involves a disturbing attempt by a nationally organized racist group to create chaos and intimidate our district in recent weeks as we discuss bringing equity and anti-racism curriculum to our schools so that was the chairwoman and uh, by saying that by saying that this was some national effort and there was mm -hmm. some you know, white supremacy group out there that was funding it and organizing Did she say which it. organization? No, she kept it, you know, very broad, mm -hmm. but it was not. I mean, Nicole Solis is a, is a mom in the district. She's the one that was starting to ask right. questions. Yep. And it was only when the school committee decided they were going to sue her uh, that she started, to, you know, she became national news and yeah. she started showing up. So on the all school these, committee these was going to sue her because she had questions. She had questions and wanted access to public information. Does that seem right? Of course not. No. I mean, this is not the kind of government we want. And we, why would they stonewall her? She has a rising kindergartner. She has the right to know what curriculum will be taught. And yeah. I, like many other parents, 
believe that education should just be that an education, not indoctrination. We're not talking, uh, we're there to learn the basics, right? Math, English, science. And yeah, th- I, I just truly believe that there's no place for it. Well, for me, it's I critical think race theory, you know, I, obviously we, uh, again, we, uh, we, we don't want to ignore America's past, past problems not. with racism, right. discrimination, mm-hmm. slavery, all of that, redlining, right. all of those things are are um, are a real part of our our history. Mm-hmm. But um, but to highlight um, race and make it such a central and high priority for the school district, I you know I don't think it should be. There should be a focus on critical race theory, but critical thinking. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we were, what we're missing in a lot of the districts. You look at Providence, Providence kids, you, you shared a stat with me. What was it about eight, uh, eighth grade boys can't read or something right. at, um, 90% of them yeah. can't, um, uh, they're not at grade level. Yeah. 90%. And an oversight, that's... we had an education oversight and it was like a lot of the schools were, one percent of the student population was proficient in wow. English language arts or math. One percent. How about we focus on that first? Right, right. And I think that's what the parents have been insisting that the from the superintendent, the school committees, the principals, the teachers, the focus has to be on learning, making sure that our students know how to think critically, not just you know, not with critical race theory, but I think with critical thinking skills, comparing and mm-hmm. contrasting and understanding arguments and going deeper into things. But um, uh, one thing that this whole thing has done, it has brought to the surface all of these public records requests has brought to the surface a lot of other things that's been happening, mm-hmm. not just in South Kingston, but in other school districts and and, um, um, and in other other schools. So I think down in South Kingston, they also found out that the uh, superintendent had shared the um, the student emails and contact information addresses, addresses with the um, uh, with the, an advocacy group mm-hmm. uh, and some the labor lobby. unions that yeah. wanted to build a school so they could start uh, getting them more involved. So the kids were getting mailers, and that's a that's a breach of um, data privacy. These are minors that really shouldn't be we shouldn't be activating them to um, right. um to, to be politically you know engaged on, on this one issue i had a parent send me a screenshot of a of an email that they received from somebody and it said um bhs and i was like oh either this is going to be burville high school or barrington high school mm. and it was a teacher giving extra credit to um, anyone in class of the parent or the student called yeah. into committee to advocate for a certain bill. Yeah. You didn't show it to me, but I saw it too. It's starting to get, uh, yeah, it's, passed it's, it's now it's online, now on, right. Yeah. On Facebook. It was a Barrington school. Of course and... the teacher, you know, left her pronouns. She, her, and she's a social studies teacher in Barrington. I won't say her name, but she, um, she was giving out extra credit to right. students if they would call your committee or, or a committee that you right. guys were dealing with some of the, these mm-hmm. um, bills to, uh, to start advocating now, for Now, see, here's the thing. If, if the extra credit was call the committee on any issue you feel mm-hmm. is important to you right. and advocate 
for the position you believe, right. then I could say, Well, okay. how about call any committee on any issue? That's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. On any issue yeah. that you right. pick. Right, right. And that, and you pick whichever stance it is because I'm not going to try to sway you. Mm-hmm. But instead, the teacher had a specific committee and um, yeah. a, a specific bill. Yeah. That I have a problem with. Mm-hmm. So this is um, this is why you know in part why we do our podcast is to inform people, but also mm-hmm. to we're always promoting engagement. We want to see people get more involved. I feel that for a lot of Christians, we feel you know oh, politics is ugly, and I don't really know, and we should leave it to the experts, leave it to people who you know really care about it. We should care about it. Right. You know, we Jesus talked about us and said we are salt, we are light. That means the world is dark. And light has to go into darkness to be effective. So I, I want to urge, you know, Christians out there, people of faith, um, and even if you're not, maybe you're not even a, a necessarily a Christian, but if you have some of these concerns about the direction of our state and the schools, get involved, mm-hmm. sign up, join a school committee, uh, start joining in with some of these um, other parents that are requesting information that want to learn about what their kids are are, are uh, being taught, yeah. because it's not always the ABCs and the one two threes. Now yeah. it's the gender bred man and things like that. Yeah, yep. I um, I hope that parents do get involved. I hope that it, I'm I'm so uh, grateful for individuals like that, like Nicole, who take a chance or take take a stance and they really put themselves out there and she has received a lot of criticism a lot she was called a racist i mean a crazy right winger right some you know a 38 year old mother of a kindergartner right you look at her and you listen to her speak there's she's not a racist no. she just doesn't buy right. into crt critical so race theory. to your point is politics dirty yeah it is yeah. but it doesn't mean that we shouldn't get involved mm-hmm. and so um yeah great points love yeah. that That's a good place to end it. Uh, Stick around for today's closing quote. Today's closing quote comes from comedian and uh, president in the movie Head of State, uh, Chris Rock. Chris Rock said, you don't pay taxes, they take taxes. Thanks again for listening. And if you've enjoyed this podcast, help us by subscribing and sharing these episodes. And for more content, check out churchandstateri.com.